going to continue our Old Testament series. And I don't know if you can hear me. I can't hear you without my in-ear monitor. I can't hear me without my in-ear monitor, so hopefully you're good out there. I'm going to read one verse of Scripture today, and then we're going to look at this story together. Ruth chapter 1, verse number 1. In the days when the judges ruled in Israel, a severe famine came upon the land, so a man from Bethlehem in Judah left his home and went to live in the country of Moab, taking his wife and two sons with him. In the days when the judges ruled in Israel, a severe famine came on the land, so a man took his wife, left his home, and took his two sons and went to live in the country of Moab. Today I'm going to preach for just a little bit that redemption has a name. Redemption has a name and we sang the song uh, Amen from Charity Gale today because it has that line, that line in it. I want to say lion. It doesn't have a lion in it, but a line. Redemption has a name. And so today I want to speak to that just for a little bit. God bless you. You may be seated. Why don't we give the praise team a hand? They've been doing a great job. And uh, one of our praise singers, an intern, uh, she left sick in the middle of service there. And so if you would be praying for Natalie. Growing up, my dad had somewhat of a sweet tooth. In fact, he still has a sweet tooth. And um, because he had a sweet tooth... Oftentimes, we would go and stop at the convenience stores when I was a kid, and we would get candy bars and Coke. Coke was my beverage of choice, and uh, we would get candy bars. And, and I went through various periods of my life where I would just go all in on a particular candy bar. There was a time when I was a Three Musketeers fan. Anybody a Three Musketeers fan? Anybody? All right, and then there was a period of time where I was a Milky Way fan. About Milky Way, nobody. All right, got one. And then there was a, a period of time where I had to have a Snickers. All right, we, we found we found we found one over there. And so various times I would do different things. I even went through this period of time where I would eat a zero candy bar. Anybody ever had a zero? Yeah, and. Uh, I would, you know, occasionally I would do Twix or Kit Kat, and, and then older in life, I, I very seldom would buy candy bars, but if I did, it was, it kind of came down to one of two things, and it was either peanut M&M's or Reese's Peanut Butter Cup. I got some peanut M&M fan over there. Yeah. But there was, it came out, I believe, in 1977. A candy bar came out called a Whatchamacallit. Anybody a Whatchamacallit fan? Oh, we got a few. And so I, I liked me some Whatchamacallit there for a period of time, and I, and I wouldn't just cycle through. You know, I'd camp on a candy bar for a while. But the Whatchamacallit gets its name because they're, it's a phrase that we use when we don't remember, oh, Whatchamacallit, Whatchamacallit. And now, depending on where you're from, whether you throw that muh in there, but, you know, what you call and. In Louisiana, where I was from, you would just, just drop syllables all the time. So instead of saying, do you remember when, it would be like, you remember? <laughs> you know? so, I, so we never said, 
whatchamacallit much. We just would say what you call it, and we couldn't come up with it. And, uh, but that name came because they just couldn't come up with a good name for this new candy bar. And so just whatchamacallit, it stuck. And I liked me that candy bar for a while, and I may even talk myself into going to get one after church today. I don't know. I'm, I'm getting hungry and ready for some sugar. We talk about redeemed, and we talk about redemption, and we talk about redeemer, and oftentimes people are unsure or have little idea and understanding of what those words mean. That There are churches called Redeemer Church or Redemption Church, and we talk about that in the process and in in the course of church, and you will hear songs about it, and we sang about it, and we said, Hold, a redemption has a name, and it's Jesus. But what does it mean? The word redeemer or redemption, they are derived from Latin root word, which means to buy back. That something has been taken away, or something has been lost, and you need to buy it back, and it means to liberate that possession or to liberate that object or to liberate that person, to buy them back from something or someone who has their possession. It is usually by payment of a ransom where you would pay something for this. You pay a ransom. It is not unlike a kidnapper, and you pay a ransom note. You're paying to get your child back, or whatever it is, or whoever it is, and whatever their relationship, you're paying to get them back. And the first term that is used in the Old Testament for redemption or redeemer, it is a, a legal context. It is the, a court-type setting, and this verb is used when animals, sacrif- animals are substituted for something else. In other words, in the Old Testament sacrificial system, the people didn't die but the animals would die in their place, and they were redeemed by this price that was paid. Second word that is used is primarily in relation to family rules and obligations, where if you had a family member who lost their property, that property would need to be redeemed back or to brought back into the family. That person, that family member would need to be brought back, or that possession, whatever it was, would be have to be redeemed and purchased back and brought back into the family. And the way God set up the Old Testament system was that every seven years, if you lost your land, if you couldn't pay your bills, and so you lost your land and somebody else took it over, that at the end of that seven-year period, they had to give it back. Unfortunately, Israel, that is one of the laws of God. They very seldom, if ever, practice this process of just giving back and returning the land back to its owners. But you could still redeem it. And in order to redeem the land or redeem a person who was sold into slavery, you had to go through this process of redemption. The story of Ruth, it is a story of redemption. It is a story of this process of being redeemed. It is the time of the judges. As you are aware, if you've been here the last few weeks, we're walking through these Old Testament characters and we're doing them in somewhat chronological order. Last week we looked at Samson. The week before we looked at Gideon, two of the judges of the nation of Israel. And now the book of Ruth comes along in the chronicles of the Scripture. 
And it is during that timeline that a great famine falls upon the land. This famine falls upon the land and Elimelech, he's the man of the house. He's the man who is to provide. He's the one that's supposed to take care of his family. He lives in Bethlehem. And the irony of it, and this you'll see this throughout the book of Ruth if you read it carefully and you understand Old Testament backgrounds and some of this, that it is a time of famine. They live in Bethlehem. And the word, the city, the name for Bethlehem means house of bread. But in the house of bread, there is no bread. There is nothing to eat. And so Elimelech decides that he's going to take his family, his wife and his two sons, and he's going to flee to Moab. Moab, it is a pagan nation. It is a nation of idolaters. It is a nation where they don't serve the one true God. And Elimelech decides, though, it's better to live in this pagan nation and have a little bit of food than live in Bethlehem where there is none. So Elimelech and Naomi and Malon and Chilion, their two sons, they travel to the land of Moab. And when they get there and the part of the story, it's, it's, the Bible just covers this in like five verses. They leave Bethlehem. They get to Moab. And in Moab, the two sons, Malon and Chilion, they marry Moabitess women. These are women who are idolaters. They worship pagan gods and they, it is prohibited by the law of God and they marry them anyway because now they live in Moab. That's what you do when you're in Moab. But tragedy befalls Elimelech and he gets sick and he dies. And then his two sons, Malon and Chilion, they get sick and they die. And all of this is like five verses. They leave Bethlehem, they get married, they die. And now Naomi, she is the lone survivor of the original four who left from Bethlehem. And she decides that it's got to be better back in Bethlehem now. It's got to be better to go back to where there used to be bread. And hopefully there's bread there in the house of bread. And she goes back and she, or she begins the process of making it back. And, but now she has these two daughter-in-laws, Ruth and Orpha. They decide that they're going to go with her, and as they're beginning their journey, Naomi says, you can't go back, you need to stay here. She said, I'm not going to have any more sons, I'm not going to be able to raise up more sons for you to marry, you need to stay with your people. And Orpah, even though she cries and she has tears and she's saddened, she says, I'll stay here in Moab. I'm going to stay back in the land where I was born, it's what I know, and if you're good, I'm staying here. Ruth, on the other hand, she decides and, and she tells this to Naomi. She said, don't tell me i got to stay. Do not urge me to leave you or turn back from following you. She says, for where you go, I will go. And where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people. And most importantly, she says this, and your God shall be my God. I would tell you that's a declaration that all of us must make, that every one of us must make the declaration that the God must be our God. It's not going to be any false God. It's not going to be materialism. It's not going to be entertainment. But we all need to make the decision that Ruth makes. It's that the one true and living God will be our God. How many of you have made that decision today? God is the only choice for us to make. But while it was tragic in 
Moab. They go back to Judah. The famine is over, but now they have no possessions. They have no land. They're ladies. They're women. They can't work. It's a different culture. It's a different time. And so now they are left begging, as it were, or following the Old Testament provision of gleaning in the fields. And Naomi would make this declaration in Ruth 1, verse 21. She says, I went out full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why do you call me Naomi since the Lord has witnessed against me and the Almighty has afflicted me? And she said, I'm bitter now. I have bitterness and I'm empty because I have lost everything. And I would just tell you this, that when you really leave the house of bread, otherwise known as the house of God, where His Word that is likened unto bread is preached and where it is taught, When you leave that, if you come back, you're going to come back empty. Because you're not going to find out there what you can find in God's house. You're not going to find out there fulfillment and peace and joy like you can find in the house of God and in relationship with God. And Naomi says, you brought me back empty. I was full when I left, but now I'm empty. So they struggle to survive. And God had made provision for the poor by telling the people that Whenever you go and you harvest your field, that you don't go all the way to the edge and don't make sure you get all the way in the corner, but you leave some. You just take the big piece out of the middle, but you leave some along the fringes and some along the edges and a little bit in the corner over there so that people who are poor are people who are foreigners. And this case means those who are from other countries that they don't have anything. They can go into your field after you've You've done harvesting your crops and they can have something to eat and they can take care of themselves. They're not going to starve to death. And so Ruth does this. Naomi is up in years and Ruth, she goes and she finds herself in the fields of a man named Boaz. Boaz, a good man, a righteous man, a follower of God, and he's following God's provision. He's not taking everything. He's leaving the edges and he's leaving the corners unharvested. So Ruth daily would go and gather grain out of the fields of Boaz, and Boaz sees her, and she catches his eye in the process, and he says, make sure she's taken care of. Make sure that you don't take, leave extra, he says, for Ruth. And, but Naomi, as she's getting in years, she, she said, I'm not going to always be here, and before I die, I need to make sure that you're taken care of. And she says, Boaz, whose field you've been gleaning in, he's actually a relative of mine. He's related to me, and Boaz may be willing to help. And she begins this process of instituting and pushing Ruth to go through the process of redemption. And once again, what that means is when they left Bethlehem and they went to Moab, their land fell into disuse and others came in and they took possession of the land. That now they don't have a legacy and now they don't have a heritage and now they don't have a future. They don't have the land. So they've got to redeem the land back. And Naomi says, Boaz can do that. Boaz is related 
to us. And the, the Old Testament uses this process, and it's called the kinsman redeemer. Not just anybody can redeem the land. But it is the closest kin that can take and redeem the land for you. But with that redemption process comes some obligation. So Boaz, he's willing to do it, but he's not the closest relative. He says, I, I would love to do it, but somebody else is closer, and they get first rights of redeeming the land. So Boaz goes through this process. He goes to the person who's supposed to redeem the land for Naomi and her family, and the guy's like, well, okay, maybe I could do that. And then Boaz tells him, now if you do this though, you have to marry Ruth. That's part of the deal is you have to take her as your wife so that you, you bring her into the family and then she's protected and she's got, she's got security and she's got money and she's got something to eat. And the closest relative said in Ruth 4 and 6, I cannot redeem it for myself because I would jeopardize my own inheritance. I don't have enough. I can't, I can't take care of all of this. He says to Boaz, redeem it for yourself. You have my right of redemption. I'm giving you the right that belongs to me. I'm the, I'm the closest kin, but I'm going to pass on that. I'm giving it to you, Boaz. So Boaz goes through the process, and he redeems the land and purchases it back for the family. And he takes Ruth as his wife in the process of redemption. It's just a little time after this that Ruth has a child. His name is Obed. And Obed is the father of Jesse, the father of David, who would be king. Which puts Ruth in the lineage of the Messiah. So now, Ruth, this Moabitess who had been a pagan, Ruth, this Moabitess who had been an idolater, and when she made that declaration, your God will be my God and your people will be my people, and now she's in the lineage of the Messiah. She has been redeemed. She's been brought into the family of God in the Old Testament. But understand this, that just like Ruth and Naomi, they needed the land redeemed and they needed redemption. You and I need to be redeemed. It's a different deal. It's not about land and it's not about property, but it's about our souls in need of redemption. And there is a third word that the Bible uses for redemption. It is a word which means to cover and it means to atone or cover our sin. It is a word that means when you are redeemed, your sin is covered, your sin is taken away, and it is paid for. And in the New Testament, when we see redemption and we see redeemer and we see Redeemed, it comes all from the same Greek word, which means to loose or to set you free from that which bound you and that which held you captive. Ultimately, it is the sin in our life that we are redeemed from and we are purchased back by God. And all of us, the ones sitting next to you, from the meanest person in the room to the sweetest little baby over here who's five months old, all of us are born in sin and shaped in iniquity and in need of redemption. We're all far from God. And just like Ruth needed someone to tell her about God, we need people to tell us about God and to explain how we can follow Him and explain how we can be in relationship with Him. And just like Ruth, we must make that decision to make Jesus our Savior. Just like Ruth, 
We have to make the decision that being in the house of bread and just living in Bethlehem wasn't enough and just coming to the church is not enough. But We have to choose to follow Jesus Christ. We are all in need of redemption. But here's the title of my message and it is the crux of what I want you to make sure you understand and that is this, that redemption does have a name. That you may not understand the process of redemption and you may not have known what those words meant, a redeemer, but understand that redemption does have a name and his name is Jesus He is the one who redeems. He is the one who saves. He is the one who pays for our sin. He is the one who buys us back and puts us into his family. And Jesus Christ went to the cross to pay my sin and to pay your sin. To pay the penalty for that. But understand this as well. Redemption is not automatic. That the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross... Is sufficient to cover every sin. That means that no matter how much sin ever exists in the world or ever existed, there's enough blood of Jesus to cover it all. There's enough payment for that sin in Jesus Christ to pay it all. But it's not efficacious for everybody. And what that means is just because He died on the cross and it was sufficient to cover the sin of everybody doesn't mean your sins are automatically covered. The way in which we get that covering and that redemption is when we follow and apply the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus to our life. When we repent of our sin and we make the decision to follow Him instead of us and to turn from the things He doesn't like to turn from the things that He does like. And then when we take His name on in the waters of baptism and He washes our sin away and we're filled with the gift of the Holy Spirit and we arise to walk in newness of life, that's when the cross of Jesus is effective and the blood of Jesus has redeemed us and paid for our sin. And no one else can redeem us but Jesus. It's only found in Jesus. We live in a world where people often try to save themselves. It is nothing new. It has been the human condition going back to Cain. The son of Adam and Eve who changes the sacrifice that he's been told about, who changes. I know I'm supposed to offer something with blood, but here's the the fruit of my field. Here's the vegetables. Lord, I'm giving these to you. And God rejects it. Trying to save himself or do things his way. People look for all manner of ways to redeem themselves. For some, it's good works going, if I just do enough good, God's going to let me in to heaven. That if I do enough good deeds and if I help enough people, I'll get in. But understand, redemption has a name, and it's Jesus. And redemption is found only in the name and in the person of Jesus Christ. People, Other people will look to religious traditions and to try to do certain rituals and 
think that by following certain beliefs or practices they're going to get in, but that can't do it. Redemption has a name, and it's Jesus. Jesus is the only one who saves others. Look to what's called asceticism, that if I, if I fast enough and I do enough bad, bad to my body and if I make myself feel bad enough, oh, what a worm am I that I punish myself. As Martin Luther tried to do when he realized he was a sinner, just beat myself on the back as much as possible and crawl on broken glass or crawl up the steps of the, of the cathedral on your knees going, I'll be able to save myself by punishing myself. But asceticism doesn't do it. Redemption has a name and it's Jesus. Redemption is only in Jesus Christ. And the righteousness of your mom and the righteousness of your dad and your friends can't save you. It is only Jesus. Understand with me today that redemption is available for everybody. It's not automatic, but it is available for everybody. It doesn't matter your ethnic background. Redemption's available for everybody. Ruth, not of the lineage of the Jews. She's a Moabitess. Her parents were idol worshippers. She was raised an idol worshiper living in a different land, a different religious process. But it doesn't matter what that was. Redemption is available to all. It doesn't matter your past, her tragic loss, and how many bad things have taken place in your life. Redemption can be found in Jesus. It is available to you today. What I want you to know and understand and live is this. That Jesus wants to redeem Every person in this room. Many of us have already went through that process of redemption. We've been born of water and spirit. We've experienced the new birth. We've already experienced His salvation. We know what it's like. We know what it's like to be in relationship with Jesus, and we know what it's like to have our sins washed away in the waters of baptism. A friend who I've been teaching a Bible study to, Terry, he was baptized last Sunday. And I mentioned this Thursday night, and he, he told me Thursday morning when we showed up at the I showed up at the chamber meeting, he, he said, uh, there were people around him and he wasn't bashful. He said, man, that was awesome. He said, I've never experienced feelings like that. Stuff I've felt stuff inside I've never felt. What I tried to help him understand is that's only the beginning. That's God moving, but he wants to live inside of you. Redemption. Is available to all, and we have experienced that. We've experienced the washing away of our sins and the, the waters of baptism. We've experienced the infilling of His Spirit. But others in this room, you still need to go through that process. Redemption is available for you today. Redemption is available in Jesus Christ. Redemption does have a name. And it's Jesus. Would you stand together with me? And our time is up today. But here's what I I want you to do.
And we've had to change a little bit with music for the altar call. And they're going to be joining me shortly. But if, if redemption is found only in Jesus, then there's only one thing for you and I to do, and that's to call upon the name of Jesus. That's to repent of our sins and turn from what we're doing to follow Jesus and to turn to Jesus Christ and make the decision we're going to follow Him. Not my way, Lord, but Your way. And like Jesus prayed in the garden before He went to the cross, not my will, but Your will be done. We have to make that decision that we're going to follow Jesus. And when we make that decision and we mean it, to make the decision to be buried in the name of Jesus in the waters of baptism. It is in the waters of baptism. In this baptistry sitting over here, there's nothing nothing special about that water. There's nothing magical. It's not holy water. It's just water. It's got chlorine in it to keep it clean, but it's just water. But because redemption has a name, that when we go down in the waters of baptism and we call upon that one saving name, Jesus takes away our sin and He puts His name on our lives and then we become people of the name. We become people who are called by His name. We become part of His family. But in addition to that, He wants to fill us with His Spirit. The New Testament refers to it as the Holy Spirit. And truly that is it. But it's also that same Spirit of Jesus. And if the Spirit that dwelt in Christ dwell in us, it shall also quicken our mortal bodies. That when the trumpet sounds, when the last trumpet sounds, and we're called to meet Him in the air, it's only if we have His Spirit inside of us. It's only if we have that same Spirit that He had the Spirit of Jesus, if we have that in our lives, we have Him living on the inside, then we will be raptured together to meet Him. And those who have died before us, if they had His Spirit when they died, they'll be resurrected to meet Him in the air. Because redemption has a name, and it's Jesus. And redemption is found only in Him. So wherever you are in the process, whether you've already experienced the full new birth, or you still need to take the step of repentance, or you need to take the step of baptism or you need to take the step of being filled with His Spirit, today can be your day. I don't know if you heard it. It started raining again out there, so you don't want to go anyway. Now it's not the time to leave. Now is the time to come to the front of this building and say, Jesus, I want everything you have for me. And so I invite you to do that today, to celebrate what He's done already, to celebrate that you know the Redeemer, or to celebrate that He's saved you, or just to come and say, Jesus, I want to be redeemed. Jesus, I want you to take away all my sin. I want to take on on your name in baptism. Jesus, I want to be filled with your spirit today. Would you do that? Would you step out across the building, wherever you are? Would you step to the front? Jesus, we love you today. Jesus, we want to be redeemed. We want to follow you, Jesus. Yeah, holiness has a name.